This is High Motor by BetMGM, Andrew Dowdy, and Chase A. Kitty of Richmond, VA. It's the last week of May. And looking back at it, we were trying to figure out what we are going to talk about today. I was looking back seven, eight weeks ago. It was the episode on April 12th. It was our first college football episode in exactly three months. It was the first one since the post-national championship. And in that April 12th episode, we kind of, I think we called it resetting the table before like the post-spring slowdown, after signing day, after spring practice. There's, there's no real like college football news, unless it's bad news, bad coaching news, until camp sit late July, August. So we kind of wanted to reset the table after the offseason and before the summer. And we're going to do that with the NFL today. Reset the table after the draft, after free agency, after schedule release, uh, before this this pre-summer slowdown, again, we have OTAs and all that stuff, but there's no real news with the exception of the Aaron Rodgers situation that will be coming down, significant news at least, for really the next two, two and a half months. And Chase, you you pushed pretty hard to talk about Liberty JMU softball on the pod today. <laughs> I did not. I said People um, are going to believe that. Don't tell said, them that. said, you know what, maybe let's let's stick to some football instead. I don't know if that's the right place, so we are going to do NFL. And I think the spot to start here, we, we briefly talked about this before the show. You know, we've talked NFL repeatedly over the last three and a half months, but over that time, we've never really, like, drilled down into a specific division. I think that's probably what we're going to do. We're going to talk about figuring out, like, a, a plan for NFL previews and college football previews over the summer in the next couple of weeks. But our plan right now is to drill down into each division, like, one episode for 30 minutes. And we haven't really done that so far this offseason, with the exception of the NFC West. I think we did it on two occasions. We did it once right after the Super Bowl when I, I think we were talking about like the power structure in the NFC West, odds, you know, early win totals, things like that. Then we also did it when Arizona signed JJ Watt. And I think we kind of like revisited the power structure debate and talked about where all those four teams fell. And sitting here now, late May, it's got to be the most interesting division purely from an entertainment standpoint. And I'm sure that Aaron Rodgers will come up in some capacity in a lot of these discussions with every single division. We've really avoided that as much as possible over the last month. Obviously, on last episode, we talked with Jason Scott about how that's impacting their odds. And it has to be talked about. But since there's no real analysis now, there's there's nothing real to talk about if you were to go to the Broncos, sure, AFC West, I think we could probably agree that would be the most interesting, fascinating division for a lot of reasons, Rodgers and non-Rodgers reasons. But right now, the NFC West has got to be the division that I'm watching the most closely, more than any other one. It's the division that you and I, again, have spent the most time on the show discussing in the, what, three and a half months since the Super Bowl, because... In my opinion, you have four teams trying to win right now, and I'm guessing you'll push a little bit back on that because I'm higher in Arizona than you are, but the point being that these four teams are trying to win. Like they're not necessarily like trying to go for it. Like There are different levels of what the Cardinals and what the Rams are doing, for example, and obviously they're doing it in different ways. They're at different points in I don't know how you like their their personnel, their organizational development, but all four teams are trying to win right now. You don't have a Detroit Lions in this division. And the point being, as I think that all four can win right now. Again, there are different levels. For example, I think the Rams are still the best team in the division. I think they will win this division by, I mean, comparing them to the last place team, there's going to be a gap of at least four or five games because that's just how divisions work. There aren't that many wins to go around. So two pieces here. 
I think all four teams are trying to win right now, which makes it extremely fascinating. I think that all four teams will win right now. Are we going to see four teams above 500? Well, no. There just aren't enough games to go around. I'm curious if you're going to push back on any of that. I think that you agree that all four teams are going for it in some capacity. Like, I don't know if maybe Arizona's going for it is a 10-7 season, whereas a Rams going for it is a 14-3 season. But do you agree with the premise that this is the most interesting, most fascinating division going into this year? Yeah, I want to I want to use some different words than you. Uh, I, I'm going to nitpick you a little bit, which I know everybody loves. Uh, I think that the NFC West is the most competitive division, and it, it's it's arguably the most interesting one because of that top to bottom competition. I don't think it's the most interesting division. I'm going to come back to that in a few minutes. I I think. Yes, Arizona is is posturing and making signings and, and doing things that appear like they're going for it. No question about it. I am a little bit more skeptical than you, I think, about why that is. And maybe I'm reading too much into the situation, but I think it's less about truly believing, hey, we can go win this loaded-ass division next year. I think it's less about that and more about Cliff Kingsbury is going to rapidly approach this point where it's, hey, you have to show us something or you're going to be out of a job. Because, I mean, it's kind of dumb, but that's how the NFL works. When you start to get to year three, year four, it's show me something or you're out. And that is probably magnified by the idea that this division is so hyper competitive. So Arizona thinks they have the quarterback of the future. I would argue they probably do. Uh, So it's hey, show us you're the guy or we're going to go find another guy that can show us that. And I think that's why the team is pushing so hard uh, from the front office on down to this this place of, is this the personnel, the setup, the coaching staff that we want right now or do we want to go in a different direction? What do you? So their win total right now is eight and a half. If they hit the over on that, which I'm guessing, I don't know if you're going to bet this, but if you had to bet it, you would probably take the under on eight and a half, right? I would. And I would do so nervously because when you read the number for a team like Arizona at eight and a half, they are basically saying, do you think they're going to be a winning team next year? And oftentimes I think when you, when something seems obvious, I mean, this is not the first time I've said this on this podcast, when something seems obvious, oftentimes they're leading your, the book is almost intentionally leading you down a path that they want you to go down because they feel strongly that the opposite is going to happen. So if I'm the sports book and I feel great about Arizona popping this year and, and having, you know, a North of 500 record, I hang it at eight and a half. So that you will then go, well, that's obviously going to be an under. I mean, and then you've got the customer, you've got the better where you want them. But <laughs> I still kind of am on the allegedly square side of this because this is just basic math. This is not a complicated formula. Somebody's got to lose games in this division. Arizona, in my opinion, is still the worst team in the NFC West. And so. I don't think the fourth place team or even maybe charitably the third place team, maybe they get some good head to heads. Maybe they win a couple games. They're not supposed to, maybe somebody else gets really injured. Maybe they finish third. 
you're still talking about a third place team finishing nine and eight. So if, if, if you're like me and you don't think they're going to pop off and win this division because the top of the division is so good, I don't know how you bet anything but the under here. So let me make sure I understand you. Essentially, two things is what you're arguing. Number one, going back to where I was going with that question, let's say they hit the over and they go 9-8 and eight again with the 17-game season. I think that's probably enough for them to say, all right, Cliff showed us enough. We'll give him, I don't know whether that's one more year or we'll let him have, we're not going to like take control of, from him for some different personnel, different his his input that stuff. If they go nine and um, excuse me nine and eight, I think that's enough for them for them to be confident in Cliff Kingsbury moving forward. Do you agree? Totally agree. If you go nine okay. and eight in this division yeah. with that with that team, total win. Okay, so you're saying so that's the first part. The second part is you agree that they're making moves to win, but you think they're doing so. With the not with the idea of hey we're gonna go twelve and five and either compete for this division finish second get the first or second wild card etc. But we're making moves to win this win in this division to go ten and seven like that that is what we're we're not gonna tell anybody that we think we're only a ten win team which I think realistically would be a phenomenal season but you will more so are saying yes they're trying to win but they're just trying to get like third place and compete for a wild card spot. I think it's the the Cliff head coaching cycle, and I think it's the Kyler Murray rookie contract cycle. I think they are now in that window where this is where we spend money because this is often where teams pop and hit a Super Bowl. So if, if we think we can do that, then let's go for it. But I think more realistically, it's it, it probably trends into some of those other more realistic housekeeping factors. The Rams are right now at 10. Uh, over 10 is minus 130, under 10, plus 110. The Seahawks, I can't recall what their number was. They were at uh, 9.5. Uh, pretty good amount of juice on that. Minus 150, over 9.5, under 9.5, plus 125. And the Niners, uh, and we got some attention from Jason on last week's episode. You've mentioned them a lot over this offseason. Love sure it. Gonna... That's still at 10. Uh, minus 140, you have no problem paying that much for over 10. Absolutely not. And if I could find it at ten and a half for a better better cost, better vig, I would do that too. Anything else in the NFC West? No, I want to talk about another division that I have very, very romantic feelings for. Please. I'm so excited for this division. Please. All right. I said that I think the NFC West is probably the best division in terms of like competitive interest. You said earlier that you think they're the most entertaining division, and I wildly disagree with that. I am more excited, this is not overstating it, more excited than I've ever been in my entire life for the AFC South this year. That's not true. Oh, that's 100% true. I've never been this excited to watch the no, AFC South. No, you're just reaching for an argument here because that, that, is, that is not how you actually feel. I'm going to give you the argument. I'm, I, I'm 100% serious about this. This... If, if you are approaching this conversation like, I'm excited to watch some great football, this is not the conversation for you. Because this division is going to be the real housewives of the NFL next season. It is going to be pure shit show, wildly entertaining. I don't think any of these teams are going to be like like deep playoff contender good. But you're we've got... Urban Meyer in Jacksonville, okay? If it's if it's successful, it's entertaining. If it fails spectacularly, it's entertaining. If there's a weird Tim Tebow, Trevor Lawrence thing six weeks into the season, 
That would be entertaining. That's I don't, not be, I, I don't. I don't think there will be. I think you, the Tebow. Let me go down an alley. No, for no, a no, second. no. Hold on. Like you, you think that's inter, Like you, you believe that's entertainment. I just think that's that's I think just it's stupid. A, I think it's a white herring because I think Urban Meyer's trying to get Tim Tebow the the. Uh, what's it called? The, if you if he plays three more weeks, he has like a lifetime pension with the NFL. I totally think that's what the signing's about, and it has nothing to do with anything else. And we should stop talking about that conversation's gotten super weird. I I think that the NFL sees it as entertainment, and they love what's going on. They love if you're right with that, and they're in Urban's trying to push Tebow in a roster spot and playing time. Sure, that that's entertainment from the NFL's perspective. I, I don't find that to be entertaining whatsoever. I have I think, no interest in that. I think Jacksonville is going to be good offensively this year. I think them bringing in Urban Meyer uh, probably magnifies that. I don't think they're going to be able to play much defense, which, again, it, it, it lends itself to an entertaining style. Probably not particularly good football, but it's going to be entertaining. The whole Carson Wentz revival tour, I think that could be very entertaining. You're talking about you know reuniting with a guy in Frank Wright that, that – I mean, they, they had some success in Philadelphia. Will it work out? Will it not work out? Who knows? Can't wait to find out. What's Tennessee going to be without Arthur Smith? Are they going to have another putrid defense? Will the Jacksonville-Tennessee game this year, will that total go north of like 125? We're talking about Jacksonville. We're talking about the Jacksonville-Tennessee game? I think Jacksonville-Tennessee might look like a Big 12 game. What are we doing year. here? And then you've got Houston. Which, I mean, correct. Tell me to pause at any moment if I say something. No, incorrect. I'm going to tell you. I don't want to. Houston doesn't have a quarterback. They don't have an offense. They don't have a defense. Right. Nobody cares about And they about have Houston. a head coach that nobody has ever wanted. Like the, the guy has been trying to get a head coaching job for about 10 years. Nobody's ever decided to take a flyer on him. Nobody so, cares. That sounds like... like you want to talk about a lock? I'm going to give you a lock right now, Andrew. No, 25% of their division literally means nothing. The Houston Texans win total is four. If it was two and a half, I'd be taking the under. (laughs) They are not winning four games next year, okay? They're probably not winning two games next year. So there's your lock of the week, under four wins for the Houston Texans. I I need to go back and check. I need to go back and check, but... Didn't they open at four and a half, and that was before they dropped the seventeenth game? I Might think have been. they did. Might I think they did. We'll go back and check that. But I think they opened at four and a half, and on that first episode after the Super Bowl, we were like, "The Texans are not winning five games." You got no be way. Kicked. I think that what did they were five and eleven last year. I can't even remember. No way. God. So that's where uh, I'm at with the AFC South. Yeah, I am. I don't, I don't give a shit. Really excited oh. for an average to terrible God. division. That's right. going to be wildly entertaining. Great. I'm fine with talking about the AFC South because I have that on my list here, too. In the context of the Pac-12, because we barely talked about Pac-12 football last year. We did. I went back and looked. I couldn't even remember. We did a Pac-12 preview before everything got shut down. Um, we thought that wasn't going to matter. came back and matters. So we did a Pac-12 preview in August, and then we mentioned the Pac-12 a few different times, like a, a what if the Pac-12 champ is undefeated, you know, can Oregon withstand their losses and go eight no, whatever. Like what does that mean in the playoff picture? But like that was it. Like we never talked about the Pac twelve last year. In the NFL, the AFC South is the Pac twelve. Because there's one, again, one massively irrelevant team in Houston. I agree that there will be some entertainment value in Jacksonville. 
from the NFL's perspective, that will revolve around Urban Meyer and Tim Tebow. I'm more just curious on their personnel decisions, watching some of their young players, if Chark takes another step forward, Lawrence, all that. But Jacksonville, in my opinion, is still competitively irrelevant. Agreed. They're competitively irrelevant. Agreed. You have one team in Tennessee whose too deep was gutted. They're not going to be as good as they were last year. Their offense is not going to be as good as they were last year. Both sides of the ball, they don't have enough weapons. They don't have enough defensive backs. And then you have a team in, in Indianapolis who I agree with that. I'm, I'm curious how Carson Wentz does with kind of his mid-career revival. But I don't know if there's another... Because Indianapolis will be good this year. I think they will win that division. I can't remember what their win total was. Was it 10.5 maybe? Indianapolis was it's 10 at... 10 or 10.5, I think. Yeah, it's Indianapolis 10. was at 9.5. Oh, it's down then. It was 10. You're going to pay a 150 on that, but I, I think I'm probably more than happy to pay 150 on, on over 9.5. We'll see if that number moves. But Indianapolis will be good this year. They should, and I, they probably, I assume they are the favorite in that division. But I don't know if there's a more, like blah or relevance a strong word good team in the in the nfl this year and i feel like those are the teams that we see in the pac-12 every year like they will have one or two legitimately good teams not great but nobody cares and i see all of your entertainment points about this division but i think you're really reaching when you're talking about when you even mention houston because i i just i don't care about houston at all if I have somebody on my fantasy team, sure, if I bet on them, whatever. But I don't care about Houston from a non-betting, non-fantasy perspective. I don't really care about Tennessee that much. I don't care about Jacksonville, aside from their young player development and personnel moves on the field. Curious how they do that and how they put all those pieces together. But this is the Pac-12 this year. I, I, if I had to rank them by entertainment value, these divisions, they would be eighth. I, I, I'm struggling to understand how you see them first. Because... I mean, when was the last time you drove past a huge car accident and didn't look at it? Just kept your eyes on the road. Not even remotely interested. I see where you're going with that. That's the AFC South this year. It's going to be so weird. Let's talk about Serbian tennis. Yes. I gave you shit last week for going to the NBA after you brought us to Sardinia, to, I can't remember where else you brought us to, Czech Republic, Serbia, something like that. So I love that we're going off the map again. Yeah, uh, there is the the Belgrade Open, I believe. Uh, it's actually the second Belgrade Open. I think they have more than one Belgrade Open a year, but no, nobody stops it. It's like, why is there more than one? Because this is a Belgrade Open and nobody what cares. What are the TV ratings on that? I, I've got to imagine they're through the roof. Man, are they... Are they... Are they hitting four digits on that's that? The next, get, that's the next streaming rights that ESPN are we, wants to Are we up. getting a 1,000 people to watch Serbian tennis? Yeah, I don't know. All right, what do you but got for us? There is a, there's a game on Monday. It is between Dusan Lachavish. You want, you want that one more time? Nope. Dusan Lachavish. He's the 40th ranked player in men's tennis, and he is having an absolutely garbage clay season so far how bad i'm glad you asked so going back to uh what do we got april 12th here monte carlo one of my favorite little clay warm-up tournaments can't wait to go someday he opened up against daniel evans lost in three he's a 33rd ranked player so that you know that's that's not a bad loss daniel evans is good i guess by seeding he's supposed to lose because evans is slightly higher let's go 
to the next tournament, Belgrade 1. So the first Belgrade Open. This is mid to late April. He played Federico Del Bonis, a Argentinian player ranked 84th. Lost in three. So then we go to the next tournament, also a clay tournament. This one in Munich. He played Mackenzie McDonald, an American ranked outside the top 100. Lost in straight sets. And then, of course, ATP Masters 1000, fairly big tournament. So you have a, a more robust uh, competition, a, a better field. He plays Shapovalov in the first round, who's a, a, a top 20 player. Gets worked in straight sets, lost 6-1, 6-3. And then he loses to John Millman in Rome in his last tournament. This was about a week ago. Straight sets, 42nd ranked player, John Millman, 6'3", 6'4". He, for whatever reason, I don't know if he's hurt. I don't know what's going on. But he has not won a match against anybody. In, I kind of feel bad for him. I got yeah, to feel bad betting against him. Like two months, I think. Uh, and that includes doubles because he also plays doubles and he's like 0-8 this calendar year in doubles matches. When so, is this match you're talking about that we're going to bet on? So he's, th- this guy Lakovich, he is playing uh, Ricardus Barankis, who is a Lithuanian ranked 90th. This is the first, uh, I believe it's a first round match in the upcoming Belgrade Open 2. And our guy, Dushan, is actually the favorite. He is like a two, minus 240 favorite. Uh, so I am looking for the upset here that's not going to be that much of an upset. Brankus here, you're getting about plus 185, so that's a good return. Going against a guy who looks like he has no form at all right now. He's just completely off his mark. Uh, in, in terms of the clay season, and I think this is a great, great, great dog to uh, to come in on here as we are slowly creeping up on the French Open. All right, so we got about 19 minutes here on the casserole, so we're not gonna not gonna go too long for the second half of the segment. But I was watching some NBA playoffs over the weekend and thinking about like the teams that were trying to get into this play-in tournament and then I started thinking about NBA draft and limbo and all that stuff where you talk about that range in which I don't know what's that range like you pay attention to the NBA more than I do where like you're not getting the, like a top three pick a franchise altering pick but you're not good enough to truly be like in real contention and we're not gonna have a debate about NBA contention like in that like 8 to 16-ish range, like every single year where you're just getting like those third and fourth tier players, right? Like 8 to 15, maybe, uh, like the bet- latter half of that lottery. 14 to 22. Okay. More like that. And that's besides the point. The point being is that I started thinking about NFL limbo and not necessarily like draft limbo, but a bigger picture of what teams are in limbo. Like teams that are, again, good enough to be where they're contending for a playoff spot maybe every three or four years they are in the mix like for a a divisional game or whatever they have some stability within their front office like most years they're going to be in that conversation but they're also going to have a lot of years where they're you know 10 11 12 pick and they're not getting those top tier players they can't go after a quarterback that's going to alter their franchise without giving up a whole bunch of picks so I started thinking about which teams are in limbo. We already talked about the Titans. I think they are totally in limbo. I think the Vikings are also in limbo. But the team that is most interesting to me uh, is the Raiders. Because going back to kind of what you said about Cliff Kingsbury, I think the Raiders are entering a very critical juncture of maybe any team in the NFL. 
not just for them, like and how their juncture impacts a lot of teams in the AFC West and the AFC overall, because under Gruden, now that I think about it, this is a really good kind of comparison for Cliff Kingsbury. They've improved in each season under Gruden, not huge leaps, but they're also not just tiny marginal improvements. Offense took a huge step forward last year. Defense is still a long way. So they have basically kind of three paths forward to either get out of their limbo, stay in their limbo, or kind of drop out of it, essentially. Another improvement, like which means you're going maybe 10-7, and seven, you're making the playoffs, or you're just missing a wild card spot, which is a huge step for them, a team that's made the playoffs only once in the last 20 years, once since 2002. Number two, you're staying stagnant. You're going 8-9, and 9-8-ish. You miss the playoffs again. Big defensive issues again. And number three, you step back. And if they take a step back, I don't see the defense for John Gruden's job security. And this is where it feels a lot like Cliff Kingsbury, also a lot like Vic Fangio to me. Like, let's take Fangio because we're going to talk about Arizona and Cliff Kingsbury. If the Raiders step back to 7-10, and 6-11, now you're saying to John Gruden, like, we need to see something in 2022, which seems highly, highly unlikely. Like we need to see an eleven and six. And you're talking about a huge, huge jump because if they go back to a seven and ten, six and eleven this year, and you're telling him going into twenty twenty two, whether it's a win total, if it is, we're saying we need to see like an eleven and six this year to feel confident moving forward. Just like with Fangio last year, you have the shit twenty twenty one, how Fangio had a shit twenty twenty, and now all of a sudden they probably need to see a nine and eight, ten and seven bare minimum in Denver from him to have confidence in him returning next year which again seems really really unlikely my point being this feels like a huge moment for the Raiders limbo like this is definitely a like a piss or get off the pot moment because the Chiefs aren't going anywhere we both agree that the Chargers seem to have found their quarterback they are going in the direction of long-term stability whether or not they get that we both have no idea there's not room in this division for like three really good teams with long-term stability we just don't see that ever in the NFL, ever in football. So this inflection point that the Raiders are approaching, and again, I don't, I have no personal investment in the Raiders, but I think from an entertainment value and what we're going into this offseason and resetting the table, I think the Raiders are at a point kind of like the Cardinals are in a more top half, weaker division. And I'm extremely curious about John Gruden's job security moving forward or if the Raiders are going to blow everything up all over again. How much do you care about the Raiders right now? Uh, I don't care about the Raiders that much, but I am interested in the general arc of the team and of Gruden because this is a guy that was given in you know like the first week of 2018, he was given a 10-year contract, and it, he is the coach of a pretty famously cash-poor team. So I wonder. I mean, you're talking about Gruden's job security. I sound like you right now. Is this one of those things where it feels like they maybe should fire him? Or is this a situation where they actually would fire him given the more uh, financial uh, details of the situation? Right, because like, even if he does go 6-10, and 10, going to their win total over 7, minus 125, under 7, plus 105. So like 6 and six, excuse me, six and 11 would be in play there, obviously, with the under 7. Like if they go six and eleven, do I think he's gonna get fired? No, probably not. Like I think Davis would keep him around for at least another year. But my point being is that then going into twenty twenty two, I would think that like are you really just gonna say, hey, let's get back to where we were in twenty twenty, just 
pushing back our plan to become a Super Bowl contender by two full years? Or are you expecting that huge jump? And that's why I compare it to Fangio, because I never understood bringing Fangio back this year. Now you're expecting a huge jump from Fangio after a shit last year. So I just, if if you feel like 6-11 and 11 is in play here, which I very much do for the Raiders, like, how can you have confidence in Gruden moving forward? And I don't know, like, what his buyout or financial situation is. That's why I'm very curious from just, like, an organizational transition standpoint for the Raiders. How do you justify going forward unless you see another really nice improvement, which seems kind of unlikely this year like the, yeah, the Raiders gonna win it, 10 games I think it's it, it feels like you're saying there it, it feels like they're kind of capped out like they they're kind of at their ceiling right now is that they're just I... in limbo like they, they have nowhere to go I, they're not going to go like 3 and 14 this year but they're not going to go 13 and 4 it's like I don't know where you're going to go and then if Derek Carr isn't your answer you're talking about going 6 and 10 and then trading up giving a ton of assets in the future for a team that needs their next few years of draft picks. Like I know that they're not the worst team by any means in the NFL, but I feel like the Raiders are in a really, really tough spot right now. And, and I think uh, based on how they've played the last couple of years, I mean, they have not finished seasons well at all. They play well early and they fade hard late, maybe worse than any other team in the NFL. Adding an extra game doesn't seem like that would benefit a team that sort of follows that arc. Now, just because it's happened in the past doesn't necessarily mean it's going to happen again, but if it does, I would think this would be something that disadvantages Oakland, not advantages them. 11 minutes on the cast roll. Anything Mm -hmm. else on this uh, resetting the NFL table you wanted to go? How about just a broad question from the top down? What is, and I don't need metrics on this, I I don't need anything, I'm just curious, What's your top tier of contenders going into 2021? Like, just, I don't need them in order. I'm just curious about who the pool is. So the Bucks and Chiefs will get them out of the way, right? Right. I feel like those are the easy ones. So those are out of the way. And then I think you put the Bills. Agree. Right? Mm-hmm. You and I both believe Aaron Rodgers is coming back, right? At this point, yeah, that's where I'm at. I think he's okay. coming back. So I think they're in there. I think the Rams are in there. I agree. Here is where I I think that's where it drops off because then I think there are a lot of teams that could be in there. The Browns could be in there. The Ravens could be in there. The Niners could be in there, but we're not really playing that game. We're sitting sitting here. Where are they right now? I think that's where it drops off, but I think that you would probably argue the 49ers are in there. I think I want to argue the 49ers and the Browns are both in there. So that would give you what? So I said the which feels Bucks. like a big top. All right, yeah. Tier. So, so you're talking about the Bucks, Chiefs, Bucks, Bills, Chiefs, Bills, Rams, Rams, Niners, Browns. That's six. Teams. Niners, Browns, and Packers. That's Packers, eight. seven teams. Yeah, you're right. That's eight, right? One. T- God, counting with counting with friends. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Yeah, I got seven. Okay. Seven or eight, whatever. I mean, what is that? That's Chief. over twenty percent of the team. So you're saying yeah, that that's a lot. Like, that's that's bigger than I thought it was going to be. And we're not even talking about the Ravens. We're not, not even talking, talking about the Ravens. About I don't think the, the Ravens are in it, though. I I feel pretty good about that. No, no, no. My point being is that, like, you have seven teams you think are in, like, the same. There are, It's kind of like the neighborhood series with college football. Like, there are different houses within each of those. I mean, obviously, like, I'm going to put the Chiefs ahead of yeah, the, Chiefs the Browns. Live in, example. An astro- uh, with a, in a mansion with a space elevator. 
But the point being is that like those are in that that first. Maybe we should do the neighborhood series for NFL because that'd be kind of interesting. They're in that first neighborhood together, but then beyond that, I don't know how we'd have to probably do a bigger episode on this. You also have several teams that are true like conference championship contenders, and then beyond that, several more. Does it? Does your? Did you ask the question because you feel like there are? The NFL is wide open this year. To put it simply, is that why you asked it? I, I just I thought if we're if we're setting the table for 2021, I think one good thing to establish is who are our preseason. We believe these teams could win the Super Bowl. Which of those teams has the lowest floor? I want well, it's got to be Green Bay, right? Okay, taking out that situation. Lowest floor. Um, so Rodgers is Rogers is there. Who has the lowest floor again out of the Packers, Rams, Bills, Bucks, Chiefs, Niners, Browns? Uh, I guess I say Cleveland because I think they have the the quarterback who could be the worst and also the least pedigree. I'm kind of. I know that you're high on the Niners, but I'm kind of surprised you didn't mention them because they were just in the again, Super Bowl. I mean. So, so you're you're working under the assumption that Jimmy G is back and Jimmy G is just what he's always been. He's an average quarterback. I would, you think, I would say above you think, average. I don't think he's average. I think he's slightly above average. Okay. So you don't think that the floor is that low with Jimmy G? Like you're not concerned about them if they stay healthy? I think the winning. roster is one of the best in the NFL. And if they had an average roster, then yes, they're uh, average to above average quarterback could be a limiting factor. But the the strength of that team has been Shanahan's offensive, you know, mastery and how good they are just across the board all throughout the roster. Their ability to consistently identify players in free agency and the draft that they hit on, that make contributions, they play pretty good special teams. I mean, it's it's just kind of an across the board they generally do everything well. So, I hear what you're saying about Garoppolo, but I I feel like the roster at large, overcomes his setbacks. So maybe that's the way we lead into NFL preview stuff. We're not going to do a, I don't think we're going to do a full college football neighborhood series because that was like six episodes. But maybe that's how we lead into NFL previews by putting these teams into neighborhoods and then going division by division. That way we kind of, again, like set the table moving forward for how we're going to attack these previews. Maybe that's the way to do it. Yeah. High Motor by BetMGM, where we plan the next episode live in the previous episode. We're saving time. We're saving time. Tons of NFL futures, like we've been mentioning with those win totals, available on betmgm.com. Jason Scott said on Thursday, yeah, it was Thursday's episodes, those are getting a ton of attention, Super Bowl odds, conference odds, win totals. There's also week one lines up there for all 16 games, again, including that Packers-Saints game. We'll be back on Thursday as we get closer to NFL and college football summer content. And then back a week from now, that's next Monday, next Monday, May 31st. Until then, have a great week. Check out BetMGM.com for all the latest promotions and offers. And thank you for listening to High Motor by BetMGM. Yeah.